love this text. It's a classic one. Again, we're going to see the power of Jesus. Hope you're encouraged today. Mark 4, verses 35 through 41. Specifically, is the text we're going to be coming out of. If you would please, let's just all stand together and let's read the word of God together. This is Jesus' life-transforming word that just shows us who he is and what he's capable of. On that day when evening had come, he, meaning Jesus, said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. In the original language I was reading last night, it at least says, Be quiet, be silent. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You can have a seat. So when I'm reading these verses and, and we're going over it, uh, you know, if I hadn't already kind of alluded to our topic, most of us would kind of know, okay, I know where Paul's about to go here. He's about to give us a sermon on navigating the metaphorical storms of life. And, and listen, we could do a whole sermon on that, and Jesus is sovereign in the storms of life. We just covered that earlier when we were praying after we had just sung Cornerstone. But really, if you were the original readers of this, or if you were the disciples and you saw this, your first thing you would come to is not that Jesus is sovereign over the storms of our lives that we navigate in the relational difficulties or the things at work or the things in life, although he is, you would have seen, and the first assumption you would have made is that Jesus is sovereign and has power over nature. And what kind of threw them for a loop, and this is why they asked that question, is like, who is this that even controls the wind and the waves, is that there is only one person in creation who controls the wind and the waves if they would have come from their worldview, and that was God. In fact, I'm just going to have to read us a pretty long section of Scripture. I think we'll have it here on the screen. This is from Psalm 107, and I think as you read it, you're, you're going to see just who Jesus was, and I'm going to highlight it a few times just in case you miss it, but I think you're also going to see, as you see what's in Psalm 107, that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he did what he did, and this whole scene was going down. Psalm 107, um, verses 23 to 32 some went down to the sea in ships doing business on the great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord. When it says Lord, that means Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, the God of creation. Okay. That's important. They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep, for he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. So Yahweh is in control of the storm and of the wind, and he's the one who made them come up. They mounted up to heaven and they went down into the depths. It's really an image of the boat rocking up and down in the waves. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. Then they cried to the Lord, again to highlight, to Yahweh, to God, in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. 
Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works of the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. So in the Old Testament, we almost see the story that happened in real life exhibited in the Old Testament. And it is a picture of the people crying out to who? To God. And he is the one who calms the wind and the seas. And so the picture is this, that Jesus is not just a good teacher with good advice for life. Jesus is not just a miracle worker who can heal pain and sickness and take that away. Although he is those things, Jesus himself is Yahweh, God in the flesh. And the disciples did not know who they were in the boat with that day. And that's why they were afraid. And it makes me think that sometimes I think we forget just who is in our, let's say, metaphorical boat, who's in our lives, who is in control of our world. Sometimes we've just gotten so, I think, used to Jesus and familiar with him that we lose sight of just how crazy Jesus is in terms of his power and his sovereignty over the world. We forget that Colossians 1 tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. By him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, through Jesus, and for Jesus. We forget that this is the Jesus of Hebrews 1.3 who says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Sometimes we lose the sight of Jesus and I think we as people need to remember just who Jesus is. And when we do, we will have fear fly away from us and we will be left in awe of who he is. But it, it's one thing I think, as I was thinking about this morning, it's one thing for me just to stand up here and to say all this. I actually think that, like the, the disciples, I think where it clicked is they saw it. They at least got a visual of like, whoa, this is the one who controls the wind and the waves, just who is this person. Everything changed when they saw it. I thought it might be helpful for us, instead of just hearing it this morning, that maybe I could give us some visuals to wrap our minds around just how powerful Jesus is and just how control he is of the whole world according to the scripture. So what I'm going to actually have us do is I'm going to have us go through different images that we're going to have up here on the screen. I'm just going to take us into the word and show us how scripture tells us that Jesus is sovereign over these things. And what I'm hoping is as you hear the word of God, but also as you see it physically with your eyes, you're just reminded of just who this Jesus is, just who is in the boat with us. Well, I'm going to zoom out, and then we're going to kind of go closer and closer in. So let's start with uh, the universe and the galaxies. And I think I've got a picture of the Sombrero Galaxy, one of my favorite names for a galaxy ever, by the way. <laughs> the Sombrero Galaxy. It has 100 billion stars in it. And it's stunning. But I actually think it shows us a Jesus who is even more stunning. Um, Psalm 33, 6 tells us, By the word of the Lord... The heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. Isaiah 40, 26 tells us, Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Jesus created, named, and is right now upholding these stars by the breath of his mouth, even as I'm speaking. But not, not just these, not just this galaxy. In fact, there's hundreds of billions of galaxies in our universe. Um, a few 
years ago, I saw a picture that just blew me away. It's called the Hubble Deep Field picture. Uh, I think we can actually put that up there. What they did was scientists took the Hubble telescope and they zoomed it in on a part of the sky and for 10 straight days took a picture over and over and over and over and over. And this is what they had come back to them. There's almost 3,000 images on that screen. And almost every one of them is not a star, but a galaxy each with hundreds of billions of stars in them. And what's even crazier is this wasn't half of the sky, it was one twenty-four millionth of the sky. <laughs> so when it says that Jesus knows the stars by name and he's upholding them with the word of his power, we need to remember this is not a small universe talking about. This is one twenty-four millionth of the universe. And he's sovereign not just over these galaxies, but all the others and the other 24 millions of the sky we haven't taken pictures of yet. Just blows my mind. Like, to give you an idea of even how big space is, I don't know, let me geek out for a minute. I forget if I've told this before or not, but like, I love space, as you can see. I'm a little bit of a fan. Like, space is massive, okay? Uh, we, we've, uh, we flew the Voyager spacecraft out, out into space, I think in the 1970s. It's the first human-made object that's ever gone out of our solar system. It goes about 35,000 miles an hour, nonstop. Okay. It took about 30 or 40 years for it to finally get out of our solar system. And it's heading right now for the nearest star for us. And it's going to get there in 40,000 years going 35,000 miles an hour. <laughs> Space is massive. And yet scripture tells us, eh, Jesus just holds it by his hand and just spoke it into existence, and he knows it all. Jesus is huge. So yes, the stars and all that, that's incredible. They point to a God, to Jesus, who is even more incredible. But let's, let's now zoom into our solar system. Let's go to the sun, okay? The sun. Just crazy. I know it's just a picture, but to kind of give you an idea of the sun, one million Earths could fit in the sun. It makes up 98% of the mass of our solar system. It's like you think like Jupiter, massive, Saturn, massive. Even all of the planets combined and everything else, all the asteroids, all the moons, they only make up 2% of the solar system. The rest of 98 goes to the sun. At its core, it can reach 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. Ferocious the sun is. Basically, massive nuclear bombs going off every second, keeping us warm, fueling our solar system. If you were to put the earth right next to the sun, you can kind of see where some of those little swirls are in the middle. Those are solar flares. If the earth were right by it, even just one of those solar flares would completely engulf the earth several times. That's how big it is. But yet, here's what scripture says in Job 9-7. God commands the sun. Jesus, the Son of God, the radiance of the glory of God, commands that Son. Jesus is massive. Let's now zoom into Earth. Let's get a little bit closer to home. A few years ago, uh, I showed my four-year-old then, I think it was Emma, um, a video of the Earth spinning, and she said, where are we? <laughs> and I was like, that's the point, right? It's like, we are really small but God is really big. Isaiah 40 says, Do you not know, do you not hear? It is he referring to God who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Nehemiah 9.6 says, You alone are the Lord who have made the heavens, the heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. You gave life 
to them all, and the heavenly host bows down before you. Jesus is sovereign over planet Earth. The Earth turns because Jesus wants it to. Every person who is alive on this planet is alive because Jesus wants them to be. Every light that's on right now in that picture and on our earth right now is on because Jesus ultimately wants them to be. He's sovereign over it all, over our world. Let's go and get down actually onto planet Earth and, and see one of my favorite things, which is mountains. This is in the Himalayas. Just beautiful and breathtaking. I, and by the way, I love finally living in a place now that I can like look at things not quite like this big because it's in the Himalayas. But I can see like the other yesterday. I don't know if you got to see it, but Baker and the scissors is beautiful yesterday. It was incredible. But here's what is God's word says about those mountains, whether it's Baker or the Himalayas and everything in between. Psalm 104:8: The mountains rose and the valley sank down to the place that you appointed for them. Every mountain is just as high or low, as Jesus wants it to be. He's in that much control over it. But it's not just over the mountains, it's over the oceans of our world, okay? Oceans cover 71% of our world, and he is sovereign over the water. We can go to the picture, I think, that we have of the ocean. This is from one of my favorite photographers. His name is Ray Collins. He literally just takes pictures of waves. Great life. He literally surfs out there every day and takes pictures of waves. If you want to sign up to do that, that would be fantastic. But he takes great pictures. And what I love about his pictures is you can just see the detail of just the waves. And you can see all the ripples and all the splashes and the little droplets of water. And Jesus is in control over every single little one. They fall just the way he wants. The ripples go just the way he wants. It's not by accident. It's not just by the physical laws of the universe of the Jesus that control those two. It's because he's sovereign over them. Isaiah 51, 15, I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. Psalm 89, 8 through 9, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, you rule the raging of the sea. We can even go beyond oceans. We can go to literally bodies of water like uh, streams or rivers. I think we have a picture of one. Psalm 147, 18 says, he sends out his word and he makes the waters flow. So I think, are you starting to see more and more how just Jesus is sovereign, complete control of and complete power over every aspect of creation? But it's not just even the physical things. It's like things like weather, like the wind, for example. I can't show you a picture of the wind. That's kind of impossible, but I'll show you a picture of grass. And it's just crazy that it, the scriptures tell us of the wind, okay? Um, Psalm 147, 18, he sends out his word and he makes the wind blow. Yeah, and also, even just looking at this picture of grass, think of like all the trillions, it's probably not the right, right number, probably quadrillions of blades of grass that are out there. Psalm 104, 14, it says, God makes the grass grow. So right now, Jesus is sovereign over every single blade of grass in that picture. And it blows just the way he wants it to, and it goes just to the place where he wants it to, and the wind is going just where he wants it to. If you were outside this morning and you felt the air on your face, and you saw the branches blowing back and forth, and you even saw in certain places the grass moving, it was because Jesus commanded it. Let's go to a few more of things in weather. Snow, we've experienced a lot of that this past month. Uh, I'm just gonna say on the record, not bitter, but uh, for like I was told when we moved here, like, hey Paul, just so you know, we really never get extreme heat or extreme snow. 
Now, I've been here since the summers. You can kind of add things up. I don't know. Like, I still have snow in my backyard from some of the wind drifts. It's, now, it's not even completely melted. We're almost a month later. I'm joking. We actually love the snow, but not once it's been there for a month straight. <laughs> Anyways, but seriously, God being sovereign over the snow. Psalm 147, 16. He, meaning God, sends out his commands to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, and he scatters frost like ashes. Or something we're probably all more familiar with here, rain. Um, we got a picture, I think, of some rain in a rain shower. Listen to this. Job 36, 27. God draws up the drops of water, and they distill his mist in rain. Jeremiah 10, 13. When God utters his voice, there is a tumult of water in the heavens, and then rain comes. Jesus is sovereign over every little drop of water that falls. Now let's get really close. Let's look at a picture of you. You think, by the way, you look awesome right now. Um, I'm teasing, I was like, I'm not going to put a picture of you on the screen. I know it'll get awkward. But let's just put a picture of all of us. This. this is um, some pictures of human cells right now on the screen. Um, we're made up, each of us, of about 32.7 trillion of these cells. In the last minute of your life, 300 million of them have died and then been regenerated. So if you're wondering why you're tired, it's not because of this sermon. It's because of your body, just like just dying cells all the time and getting recycled and everything. But here's what's crazy. is like Jesus is in control of every single one of them. Like not one of those 300 million cells died apart from his command and control. We already read, I, I referenced this earlier, but Psalm 139 says this, you, like not just all of us collectively, but you individually and all of your cells, God formed them, verse, I mean, sorry, verses 13 through 15 of Psalm 139, God formed them in your inward parts. You were knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then the psalmist goes on and says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God arranged, he's part of you just the way he wanted. The color of your eyes, the color of your hair, if you're like me and your lack of hair, <laughs> like just as Jesus wants. Are you beginning to see just how big Jesus is? Beginning to understand how from the vastness of space and the galaxies in the universe all the way down to the smallest parts of who you are, Jesus is sovereign over it, control of it, and has power over it. We don't worship a small Jesus. We worship one who has more power than we can possibly imagine and who is bigger than we can possibly fathom. So, so what should this lead us to do? Okay. Like, like how do you, like we, we walk through all this. Now let's you know, go back to our text and, and, and we saw that G, they saw that Jesus was in control of the wind of the waves and they said, who is this? And the idea that the scripture is trying to get to is this is God in the flesh. Okay, but like then how should we respond to this idea that Jesus is in control over all these things? Like this is great, Paul. Love the pictures. Great little science morning we're having this morning including it coming out of God's word. Like what should this lead us to do? How should we respond? Well, I, I think two things or two thoughts or questions. I, really, I'm gonna say questions I wanna give us. If all these things that we've just said are true, and they are, what do we have to fear? What do we have to be afraid of? Did you catch verse 40, going back to the wind and the waves story that we covered in Mark 4? What does Jesus say after he quiets the wind and the waves? Why are you so afraid? Well, they were afraid because they didn't realize who was in the boat with them. But once you realize it, and once you just see how much power Jesus has and how he is sovereign over everything, 
There's no need to be afraid. If God is sovereign over everything, if Jesus is, then we don't have to be anxious about anything. If, if God is sovereign over everything, we don't have to fear anything. Now, I'm not saying that everything is going to go right all the time. Because in Scripture, that doesn't happen. I mean, I was just in the, a week or two ago reading the book of Job, and, and, and some things in nature took out some of Job's kids. Like, so it's not that everything is always going to be okay for us, but here's what it means is that if you are a child of God, God is not just sovereign in power. He is also good towards you, and he loves you as his child. And because of that, it means that even if everything always doesn't go the way you want it to or the way I want it to, there's nothing ultimately I have to fear. Because nothing has power over me except for God, and he's for me, and he's in control of the world. And because of that, even if the things I'm facing aren't great, I can face them because come what may, Jesus is more sovereign over them. Which means they have no ultimate hold on me. So what do we have to fear? The second question I had to ask us this morning is, in light of all this that we've talked about, in light of all these images we've seen and the passages we've read, why don't we fear Jesus? And when I say fear, I don't mean like scared of him or that he's mean and we got to be careful because that's good. I just mean what scripture often means when it talks about the fear of God is a healthy sense of all that should come over us in response to who he is. I mean, isn't it telling that often in the New Testament when anyone got a true picture of Jesus's power and glory, even the people that knew him and knew the gospel the best and were aware of his grace and how he was gentle and lowly, when they saw Jesus in his glory, they usually hit the deck. <laughs> because they were just like, whoa. <laughs> like, in the book of Revelation, John, the beloved disciple who talked about how with Jesus there's forgiveness and he's love and God is love, all that shit. But when he saw an image in the book of Revelation of Jesus, he just fell down, the book says, as if he was dead. Because he just saw a picture of Jesus' majesty. Like, why don't we live in all of Jesus like that? It could be a bunch of things. I, I wrote down a few. I don't really have time for them all, but here's just some ones I wrote down. Sometimes we just get too familiar with them. Right? It's almost like, have you ever noticed in Scripture, um, the people that were least impressed by Jesus were those in his family and those in his hometown. Why? Because they were familiar with him. They had the most proximity to him. They got familiar with him. They got used to him because of that. They lost sight of who he was or they just couldn't see it. And sometimes we just get familiar with Jesus. Sometimes it's because we get distracted, right? We just get busy with the things of life and we get distracted and, and it's easy to take our eyes off of Jesus and lose sight of who he really is. Sometimes we get a little bit out of balance in how we view Jesus. Jesus is our friend, but as we just talked about a second ago, he is also the sovereign Lord of the universe. It could be a bunch of things, but here's my thing in all this is maybe, just maybe, we need to make space in our lives like we've made this morning just to try to right-size our vision of Jesus. Maybe every day, or at least once a week, you just sit down, and maybe you do like what we did and reflect on nature. Whatever you need to do, you just sit down and remind yourself, just who is this Jesus in the boat of your life and of our universe? And let that then just push away any fear that you have and any small view of Jesus that you have. You can just be in awe of him. I think it'd just be good for us just to remember who this Jesus is and how crazy big he is. But then also, this is where I want to now go to as we begin in a minute, just to move towards communion and reflecting. And I thought maybe just in our worship this morning, maybe we could have a time where we really worship out of response to this vision of Jesus we've had this morning. But here's what's crazy. When you get a picture of how big God is, 
if you just leave it there, that's a bad place to leave it. Like, if you just get a picture of Jesus and all of his glory and power and majesty, like, that's amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? Is that God is infinite, but he's also intimate. God isn't just, Jesus isn't just far away. He actually, scriptures say, came in close and humbled himself and took on human flesh. Why? The scriptures ultimately tell us to go to the cross and to resurrect. For who? For you and me. Now let's think about this for a minute. We just went through all of creation from big to small. And you know what you noticed? Everything does exactly what Jesus wants it to do. Everything. Like even think in scripture. When he wanted the waters to split for Moses, they split. When Jesus walked in the water, he wanted them to stand firm, they stood firm. Everything in creation does exactly what Jesus wants except for one thing. Us. We are the one thing that has the audacity to look at the sovereign creator and Lord of the universe and say, no. You know what's crazier than that? We are the one thing in all of creation that Jesus had the audacity to die for. That's the gospel. So get a picture of Jesus in his full, like just awesomeness, I guess you could say. Get a picture of Jesus and how amazing he is and how huge he is, but then don't leave it there. Remind yourself that that same Jesus came and died on the cross and rose from the grave for you even after you had had the audacity to tell him no repeatedly. And he loves you. What a beautiful thought. Let me pray for us. God, I, I pray that as we just read that story in Mark 4 and as we've seen these pictures on the screen, I, I pray that we would not be impressed with nature. <laughs> as beautiful it is, as it is and as awesome as it is, God, I pray that we would be more impressed, more in awe of, inspired by the creator, you. God, would you, would you let us truly have a picture and a vision right now of just how sovereign and in control that you have, of the universe that you are. May it move us to worship, but also, God, I pray that right now, the people in this room that maybe just be living with anxiousness or fear because of the creation around them, whatever it is, God, God, right now, would you just push it out of them? The more they put your, their eyes on you instead of on the world around them, God, would you just fill them with faith and would you drive out fear? But God, we, we just want to stop and thank you most of all that, God, you are sovereign over the world. And yet you came and you died for the world. And you died for us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, thank you, thank you. May it leave us even more in awe of who you are than even over the power that we've talked about this morning. It is in your name we pray. Amen.